Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Oh, hello, everyone. First of all, my allergies are going off this morning, so please excuse my very stuffy nose and my hoarse voice. <laughs> Let me tell you. It is so hard having allergies that make me cough right now in a way that never was in my past life, Uh, in our past life, because I have to cough in public regularly, and I know everybody's looking at me, and they're like, bitch, you have COVID. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just allergic to the outside. (laughs) So that's really fun. Anyway, hi, I'm recording this bright and early on Saturday morning because I'm going to New York and mm, what time is it right now? In about four hours, I'll be leaving for New York and I did not record this podcast last night because why would I have done that? You know, I was like, whatever, I'll wake up in the morning and do it. So now I am last minute recording, but that's fine. We're still working on um, season three of Team Mom 2. I know I said I would have a guest this week, but I kind of forgot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I already have a guest lined up for next week, so that's good and exciting. But yeah, I am still loving watching season three. It is really like peak teen mom, in my opinion. Uh, Some stuff happened this week. Uh, The big news that I saw is that Amber actually got her felony charges from the most recent domestic violence incident dropped off her record now. Saw a lot of people upset about this. I clicked and I was like, what the fuck? I clicked through. I read the article. And apparently this was always the plan. This was part of her plea deal. If she stayed on probation, she passed all of her drug tests, she completed her probation, then the felony charges would be, I can't remember if they were like totally dismissed. I think most of them were dismissed and she still has some sort of misdemeanor on her record. But I mean, I... (sighs) I get why it's frustrating to people, and obviously, like, she comes from a place of incredible privilege when it comes to her arrests and her convictions, but at the same time, I am somebody who believes in restorative justice, and I, like, I I don't know. I don't, I don't think this is a huge deal. I, I don't know how much I love people having felony convictions in general, for most things. Um, and I think that if she, you know, like if this is what the court agreed to, this is what the court agreed to. She did her end of the deal. So now they're doing theirs. Look, we all know Amber is not in a great place, right? Like we know that Amber does not live what I think most of us would consider a happy life. She really, really, really struggles. But the reality is, is that she successfully completed her probation. She passed all her drug tests and is, has not gotten arrested, has not been in trouble. And that is good. Like that's a net good. Now that doesn't make Amber like a good mother. I think that we know, I mean, we know Amber's not a good mother. I'm still very curious how much she's actually showing up for visits with James. Her and Andrew are still in the custody battle. But in Amber that's not getting arrested and is passing drug tests and still not seeing her kids is better than an Amber that is getting arrested, not passing drug tests, and not seeing her kids. So, you know, she did her sentence and now it should be forgiven if that was what the agreement was. So 
Mazel tov to Amber, I guess. I like. I don't think Amber lives a life that almost any of us would want to live. She's a very, very sad person to me. Um, I, I think she just really, really struggles, and I don't think she's possibly ever going to have a real happy life. So I, you know, want to give credit where credit is due. And it's not easy, as we're about to discuss with Janelle, it's not easy to stay on probation for multiple years, I believe. I believe she was on it for years and to pass drug tests for years. I'm hoping that she will stay on this path, even though she's not on probation. But I mean, we kind of saw how that went last time, right? Like, she got out of jail. She was on probation. That was keeping her pretty straight. I mean, she still got with Matt. (laughs) But as far as, like, her arrests and her behavior, she was staying pretty straight. And then it seemed like she got off probation and her drinking really escalated. And whatever else she was doing really escalated. And she spiraled pretty quickly, right? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I obviously hope the best for her, but (laughs) I don't know if we'll get that. I'm curious. I mean, Amber will definitely be on the new show. MTV loves Amber for some reason. Also, I I posted, Kayla from Team Mom Young and Pregnant posted that she was having like a really high heartbeat and they had to like stop her heart and restart it. And I posted it on my Instagram and I was like, oh my God, is this a thing that happens? And reading it back I realized it kind of sounded like I was calling her a liar so I deleted the post because a lot of people were like yeah that's what happens but I'm just an idiot who doesn't know like anything about health or medicine but Kayla is apparently really struggling with health stuff uh somebody in my comments did say that like some long COVID side effects are like out of control heart rates and we know that Kayla had COVID so We'll see. Young and Pregnant is back very soon. Oh, Mallory Beaver, her daughter's father died, which is very, very sad. Um, I don't think he was really in, what's her baby's name? Emery? It's Emery, right? I don't think he was really in Emery's life. Um, I mean, I don't think Mallory's really in Emery's life that much, but it's still very sad, obviously, for a child to lose a parent, even if they're not really around, because... At least if that parent is alive, the child can have the hope of a better relationship in the future. So yeah, that that's sad. I mean, poor Beaver family. Like, Kaisley's dad is in prison for attempted murder, and now Emery's dad is dead. So I guess we'll see all of that play out on Young and... Well, probably not Lane's death on this season of Young and Pregnant. We probably won't see that because it just happened. And I'm sure... I bet they've been done filming for quite a while with Young and Pregnant. They seem to take, like, a really long time between filming and putting it on air, which is kind of annoying because we've gotten used to in the teen mom world it being a pretty short turnaround, but we'll see. I wonder what the girls are up to. Kaya looks like she's on a fitness journey. Uh, Brie could not tell you. Could not tell you. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with them. And I think that's all that happened this week. Let's talk about, I mean, Kale and Chris are still fighting online, as always. They're never going to stop fighting online. It's really out of control. Kale is, like, obsessed with her new boyfriend. His name is Elijah. Good for her, I guess. Uh, By the way, somebody I know told me how much somebody they know 
is making on podcast ads. That's on a major network, not Patreon, on podcast ads. Um, Kale's definitely making more on podcasts than she is on Team Mom. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that one. I know a lot of people are doubting her, but after seeing this, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Kale's doing well. Anyway, Teen Mom 2, season three. Like I said, I am, I'm just loving it. It's so fun to watch. It's sad to watch. I'm definitely like trying to reflect on how I'm feeling watching this versus when I first watched it versus when I started this podcast versus where I am now. Because I think those are three pretty significantly different places. Like I know when I first watched this, I think this is 2012 this was aired. I was a fucking mess. I was a true mess in 2012. So I was hateful. I hated everybody. I hated everything. And I know I was like laughing at Chanel's despair. I know five years ago, when did I start this podcast? Is it five years now? Five and a half years ago when I started this podcast. I know I was um, a lot less empathetic towards Chelsea and Adam's situation. I, I don't know. I just like, had trouble viewing the abuse like I knew he was an asshole and he was abusive but I had a lot less empathy for Chelsea than I do re-watching this um I also like really I know was like a lot more hardline on uh like abstinence stuff and like what I thought about sobriety which comes up in this obviously with Janelle but I think I probably always kind of felt the same about Janelle with when it came to that but I think that's going to pop up a little bit. With Kale, I feel a lot more sad for Kale. I think it's interesting. I think basically each time around that I do these watches, I get more empathetic, which is a good thing, right? Like, I think it's good that the older I'm getting, the more empathetic I am. Um, and the more able I'm able, the more able I'm able, <laughs> the more able I'm, I really want to say that again, the more I'm able to see... <laughs> like different perspectives and just really have a lot more empathy for the girls, but still laugh at them. Like, I feel really sad for Chelsea in a lot of these, but also it's still very silly. And I think part of that is because how she looks. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Chelsea, at one point, I gagged looking at her hair. Like, it. I'm not kidding. I'm not being dramatic. It made me gag. It was so matted. It looked so disgusting. She has those terrible, terrible hair extensions that were probably, I don't know, maybe she put them in herself. They looked so bad. I mean, Chelsea's never had a good hair extension in her life. Let's be real. Never. And now, like, now she's paying thousands of dollars for those hair extensions. Back in the day? Oh, no. They're, they're so, so, so bad. And we know that she doesn't like to brush her hair. <laughs> it's like truly it's about to break off her head from hair dyeing. <laughs> like, it's so bad. Uh, her clothes are awful. Her makeup is awful. So that's really easy to laugh at. But I'm definitely feeling for her a lot more when it comes to the Adam stuff. And I know for some listeners, they don't love that. But also, I feel like if you're on this teen mom ride with me, right? If you're on this feathers in my hair ride with me, I've always said that this is a podcast that doesn't just hate people. And that I try and look at situations from every angle because I think it's boring just to hate people and I'm not funny enough for this to be like a roasting podcast. So I guess you guys shouldn't be too surprised. 
Oh, by the way, I wanted to plug my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This last week, Princess and I did a real world homecoming episode that's 18 hours because it's Princess and I. And we were talking about a whole season of a show. <laughs> At the end, I was like, okay, we have to stop now. I'm like really tired. Like I physically ran out of steam. I didn't eat before we did it. And we were recording at like 11 in the morning. And I was like, okay, I'm about to die. Like I need to end this podcast. <laughs> I was so hungry. That was such a bad mistake on my part. But we talked all about Real World Homecoming, which is a show we both loved. Like, love, love, loved it. Uh, We both stand Melissa Beck. We just, we thought it was so, so, so good. This coming week, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do a Seeking Sister Wives episode with Maria. A new season of Seeking Sister Wives started, which is a truly unhinged show in which I can't for the life of me figure out why TLC won't just call these relationships polyamorous. Like, I I don't understand why we have to pretend every season that these people are polygamists, like religious patriarchal polygamists, a la Sister Wives, the show, who are definitely not polyamorous. I, I don't get it. Like, it's so clear in most of these relationships, the women aren't fucking each other. Like, I they're not sister wives. They're in a relate. They're girlfriends, like or their wives. Like there's no sister involved. Like they eat each other out. Like I, I don't know why we're pretending that that doesn't happen. And I think it makes such a funny dynamic on this show. I'm actually kind of shocked it came back because I thought that couple that got in trouble for basically like trafficking people would have caused the downfall of this show. But TLC said, "Girl." are you crazy? This is TLC. We lo- we actually encourage that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to talk about that this week. I also recorded a really interesting episode with um, a listener for her podcast last week. It's just a really good podcast episode, in my opinion. I'm going to put it on the Patreon so that my listeners can easily access it, access it, access it, access it. As well, uh, we talked about gun, like mass shootings and mental health and uh, what we think issues in the mental health services are when it comes to mass shootings and like gun control. Uh, Emily, who I did the podcast with, is somebody who is in a PhD program and is a school psychologist. And it was just really, we talked a lot about domestic violence and racism and misogyny and how that all comes into play. And we just had a really, I think, great conversation that's very different from what my podcasts normally are. I think I might also do at some point, no promises, but I think I might do another uh, Johnny Amber episode because I have a lot of fucking thoughts on that, that juror who gave that interview. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, I want to pick apart basically every sentence and talk about it. And that's what my Patreon's for. So patreon.com slash Liz Explains. You can get all of my content. Uh, But yeah, let's talk about this show. Let's start with Chelsea since I was already talking about her. Okay. (laughs) This is what I mean by Chelsea's so stupid and it's so funny to laugh at. Her opening line of uh, episode three is... I'm taking more GED practice tests, but right now I need to focus on planning Aubrey's birthday party. Girl, what? (laughs) I love, I'm sorry. 
I love when she talks about planning Aubrey's birthday parties as if they're a wedding. Like, (laughs) and even the idea of like not doing your work so you can plan a wedding is very funny, even though I know weddings are very stressful to plan. But like this party was at a fucking sky zone. It was an hour long party at a sky zone. Like, she's like, I just, I can't study for the GED. I have to plan a two year old's birthday party. As we know, in another season, she quits going to beauty school, cosmetology school, so that she can plan Aubrey's birthday party. <laughs> Josie's not good at multitasking. Oh my God, she posted a picture. Um, from like this, one of the houses they're redoing for the HGTV show, which I've told you guys I will not be watching because I don't watch HGTV anymore. And I just, I don't care for Chelsea and Cole, so I wouldn't seek it out. Uh, she posted a cowhide rug and she's like, every house is getting a cowhide rug. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Because they're literally just doing exactly what they did in their house because they don't have any actual skills because interior design is actually a real skill in which people go to college and get trained to do. And Chelsea did not. She did not. She just knows, like, the things that she likes. And so she's just going to put them in other people's houses. I also just think it's so interesting because the show isn't going to air until next spring. And in my opinion, opinion from what I see like that modern farmhouse thing that they're doing is already kind of on the the end of its relevant or it's like already on the end of the trend right like from what I can tell right now uh modern farmhouse is kind of going out and what's coming back in is a real like classical style I don't know if that's the right word but wallpapers dark colors rooms not open spaces like uh really plush, just like the opposite of like this modern kind of empty farmhouse thing that Chelsea and Cole have going on. So I think it's interesting that not only is HGTV going to be airing another farmhouse show, which is like every show that they air, but it's going to be dated already. Like by the time they put it up, it's like already going to be a little bit behind the curve. So I don't know. I Good for them for making money, I guess. <laughs> So the episode starts with her and her friend going to Adam's motocross race, but somebody needs to watch Aubrey. So she has Randy come over to get Aubrey. Chelsea and her friend leave and Randy starts looking around the house. I thought he was watching Aubrey at the house, but Chelsea gets mad at him later. So I guess he was taking Aubrey back to his house. But first of all, it's interesting that like, It's truly never acknowledged the fact that Chelsea has, like, never needed to hire a babysitter. And just, like, the access at which she has childcare is really remarkable. And that's great for her. Like, I'm not shitting on her for that. But I wish that the show would highlight that a little more. The fact that, like, she can truly do whatever she wants whenever she wants. Because there seems to always be a family member willing to take Aubrey for as long as she needs them to take her. So, that, you know, that's the whole thing. But Randy starts poking around and he sees that Adam is clearly living there. Like Adam has an entire shop set up in the garage. His shit is in the house. Like he's living there. And Randy is, of course, pissed. So Chelsea and her friend are driving to the race and Randy calls Chelsea and he goes, so apparently somebody moved in. And Chelsea's like, "Okay, so why are you in my house? And he's like, I'm in the garage. I was looking for something in the garage 
And I had thought Adam moved in, but I'm right. And Chelsea's like, um, no. <laughs> her friend is like, oh my God. So she hangs up the phone. She's like, we'll talk about this later. And her friend is like, oh my God, he's not living there. And it's like, well, I think he is. <laughs> like, I think he is living there. His shit is there. He has all his shit there. What else does that mean? Chelsea says, and I actually agree with Chelsea on this. So we know this is season three. They're starting to make a little bit more money. We're starting to notice the cars are nicer. Their spots are nicer. They're not talking about struggling with money nearly as much as they used to. And Chelsea says, well, I'm paying my own rent now. So even if I did want Adam to live with me, it's kind of my choice. And that I agree with. Like if Chelsea's paying her rent... Randy doesn't get to say, Adam's not allowed to live here. He can make other boundaries, but he's not going to. I think that, first of all, Randy, even when he is paying for all of Chelsea's shit, wasn't making boundaries. He's especially not going to do it now that he's not paying for her shit. But it's interesting the dynamic they have, because I'm guessing he's still paying for a bunch of other shit. Uh, and maybe he threatened to cut that off. I'm not really sure, but she is like, well, I pay my rent, so I should be able to have Adam live with me. And yeah, yeah, like if she pays her own rent, she can have whoever she wants living there. But if I was Randy, I'd be like, okay, but that means that I'm not doing this, this, and this, which I think is what ends up happening. It's really hard. I really feel for Randy and Mary in this situation because their daughter is in a very abusive relationship. They keep thinking she's getting away from him. He keeps coming back and it's such a hard spot to be in because do you push her away by cutting things off? Like Randy could really say, if you want to live with Adam, fine, but I'm not paying for anything. And I'm also not going to come get Aubrey whenever you want me to. I'm not going to like throw parties in my house for you and your friends. Like he really does a lot of stuff for her that he could say I'm not doing anymore. But then if you do that, you're just isolating Chelsea even more. And like, putting her closer with Adam. Oh, gosh. I'm sure they're just so glad that Adam is gone. <laughs> oh, gosh. So they get to the race and Adam's pissed because he's the only four-wheeler that's going. So I guess he's just, like, racing against himself, which is very silly. And they watch him do his race. And Chelsea's like, oh, my God, we love him. Uh Later, though, Randy comes over and gets into a huge fight with Adam and makes him take all of his stuff out of the house, which, once again, I ask, so are you paying your own rent? <laughs> like, if dad can come over to the house and force somebody to move out, I, it makes me think that you're really actually not paying your own rent. Chelsea is, like, really upset. Uh, she lets us know that the timing couldn't be worse because it's Aubrey's second birthday. All of her friends come over, and I've noticed this before, and I know I talked about it before, but, like, Chelsea has so many teen mom friends. I'm always blown away by this. Like, and I don't think Chelsea was, like, involved in mommy and me groups. Like, I don't think that's where she met them. I think that her town must have, like, a pretty high teen pregnancy rate, or did. I mean, it's been almost 15 years at this point, so things have probably changed a little bit, hopefully, but... She has, every time one of her friends is over, that looks to be within four years of Chelsea's age, they have a baby or two as well. This has been the case since season one. 
Chelsea, it's the only one that I've ever really noticed this to be true with. Um, and I like, does her town just have like a high, high rate of teen pregnancy? It's really interesting. I know. I mean, I've talked about this. I, I didn't know really anybody who had a baby as a teenager. Um, there was one girl in my graduating class who graduated pregnant. Um, but, and there was another girl in a year younger than me who ooh, was really bad. She got pregnant and then the baby's father died and she kept the baby. But I didn't, I wasn't like very close friends with her or anything. But I just like didn't know anybody because it just wasn't really a thing. And as I've said, it's not that girls in my school didn't get pregnant because I'm sure they did. I think most of them just had abortions and they had access to abortion. And we, I am from a town in which you're expected to like go to college and not be having a baby. And I guess it's just Chelsea lives in a more, I don't think she does live in a rural community though. I was under the impression that she lives in like a normal suburb. So it's just, it's just surprising to me that she has so many teen mom friends. It's just one of those things that's like culturally very different for me, but also feels different from like everybody. Like Kale doesn't have that. Janelle doesn't have that. Even Leah doesn't really seem to be around a lot of other teen parents, but Leah also is like never been somebody with friends. Have you ever noticed that, that Leah doesn't really have friends? She has like one friend, but that also might be a filming thing. Yeah, that's probably a filming thing. It's hard to tell because I think also all of Chelsea's friends are like down to clown with MTV. They're like, hell yeah, I'm signing that release. (laughs) But Chelsea is, you know, she's really upset because she won Adam won't talk to her. She wants Adam to be at the party and she's not sure if Adam's coming. So they have the party, as I said, at like a Sky Zone type place and Adam doesn't, he's two hours late. He gets there and it's really awkward because he's not talking. I did see in the corner of a shot Landon, Chelsea's friend Landon was there in a vest, like a suit vest and a fedora, which is what this man wore for (laughs) truly like 10 years straight. He wore a vest and a fedora. Like every time he saw Landon, he was in a vest and a fedora. (laughs) You didn't even see his face, but I know it was him. Like he's like leaning against a wall and you can't see his face. But I'm like, oh, Landon's there. Oh my gosh, I have to cough so bad at every time I laugh. It's like I'm suppressing it. Ay-yay-yay-yay-yay. Okay, uh, Adam and his parents get... Uh, well, first Chelsea gets Aubrey like a Barbie Jeep. Aubrey's thrilled. And then Adam and his parents get him a bike. Uh, Chelsea doesn't love it because Aubrey's too little to use it, which she is. She's only two. I mean, it has training wheels on it, but like she's still a year or two off from riding like a a bike that size and she could she needs to be on like a tricycle I don't know if balance bikes existed at the time but that would have been more appropriate I don't think they did my nephew like fucking loved his balance bike and was so good at it and when they got him a real bike he figured out how to ride it in like five minutes because the balance bike like made it such an easy transition I on the other hand it took me (laughs) quite a while to figure out how to ride a bike without training wheels because my dad was a believer in um, taking off the training wheels, taking me to the top of the hill in our yard, and then pushing me down the hill. Yeah, that's how my dad thought I would learn how to ride a bike. Um, I fell. I flipped the fuck out. And I was like, fuck you. I'm never riding a bike again. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I will not be doing this. How dare you? My dad is out of his mind. Why he thought this was a good idea? I don't know. His fucking crazy dad probably did it to him. So then he, the agreement, the compromise we came up with is that I would ride my bike with one training wheel. <laughs> and so I rode my bike with one training wheel for quite a long time. <laughs> Maybe months, like probably months. And I rode my bike a lot. Like I always was riding my bike. <laughs> oh my gosh. My dad was such an asshole. Like, why would you do that? Why? Why? That, that's how my dad, my dad is very much like, do you want to learn to swim? Like, let's throw you in the deep end so you can learn to float on your back. Like, He's out of his mind. Um, But yeah, Aubrey's too little for it. There is a moment in which Aubrey is blowing out her candles and somebody in the background says, wish for mommy and daddy to win the lottery. I think it might have been Mary. It sounded like Mary. And then Chelsea says, how about you wish for mommy and daddy to stay together? Girl. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> also, Chelsea keeps saying to her dad that Aubrey doesn't know how to drive a bike. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what you... I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a phrase in South Dakota, but it sounded very silly. She doesn't know how to drive it. She can't drive the bike. <laughs> like, you don't drive a bike. <laughs> you ride a bike. All right, let's talk about the second episode. I just realized I have not taken a break yet. So let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about episode two. So this is the episode where I start to feel sad for Chelsea. Adam just won't talk to her and Chelsea doesn't know why she she doesn't know why she's like, I he won't. I don't know. I don't know if we're together I didn't do anything wrong. It was just my dad. And this is what I mean by like, it's really hard, I think, as a parent. I, you know, I, I speak as a parent to a 20 year old daughter here. <laughs> I'm speaking from my vast parenting experience here to say that like, this is the exact reaction that could be really bad is that like Chelsea is devastated that Adam won't talk to her. She's like, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my dad's fault. And so she like, <sighs> Randy gets lucky that this isn't really what happens, but that could have sent her like running to Adam promising she wouldn't talk to Randy anymore. Like, I think if Adam had asked that, she might have said yes. Honestly, I do think that like, it goes to show how important a supportive family is um, and how important like a supportive network is that even though Chelsea, despite having quite loving parents and a loving family, did still uh, enter in an abusive relationship or enter in a relationship that turned abusive, that she always had resources to leave and she always had, I think, like, the knowledge that she was not going to cut off her family because there's no, she never even like talks about that as far as we know. I think that even if Adam had been like, you have to stop talking to your dad, which is like such a common abuse thing, right? Where you cut them, the abuser cuts the victim off from their family. I think that Chelsea would have never done that. Um, and I think that Chelsea always knew that like her parents would help her when she needed it. And to that, I say like, I, I just think it shows, like, the difference between I Chelsea and Janelle, let's say, who 
when Janelle leaves Kiefer, like, she goes back to Barb. <laughs> to her and Barb screaming at each other. Uh, and then, of course, she runs back to Kiefer. And when Chelsea goes back to her family, she's, like, really brought into a loving cocoon. And she can go stay with her dad for as long, or her mom for as long as she wants to. And they'll help her, they'll help watch her kid. And she can be in her childhood bedroom. And they cook all of her meals for her. And it's just a soft landing. And even though, you know, quite a few times she does go back to Adam, at least she knows it's there in a way that Janelle doesn't. And it's just love your kids, you know, love and support your kids. So Chelsea goes out to dinner with a friend and she's just saying how Adam won't talk to her. And <laughs> her friend goes, well, you know, he's done this a million times before. <laughs> kind of being like no biggie (laughs) and Chelsea's like well yeah but but it makes me sad every time (laughs) oh my god and her friend is like so I got us Dirkus Bentley tickets to cheer you up and it's very obvious MTV gets them because this is like MTV goes into the concert with them and plays the music which definitely means that this was set up by MTV but Chelsea's like oh my god should I have my dad drive us there in our in his RV. <laughs> this is what I mean by Randy just like do it. Like my parents did a lot of shit for me, but my dad would not in my twenties have been driving me two hours for a concert and all my friends. <laughs> She's a little nervous because the concert is on Sunday night and she has a GED practice test the next morning that she really needs to do well at. So she goes over to Mary's to drop Aubrey off. Mary has gotten more feathers in her hair. <laughs> And she's telling her mom she hasn't studied at all. You know, I think the nice thing is that Chelsea is always really, it seems like Chelsea's always really able to tell Mary the truth. I think that Randy is like the financially supportive one to her. And I think like the the one that like really comes in and cleans up the mess. But Mary, even though I think she like fights with Mary in the way that mothers and daughters fight, she always goes to Mary and she just, she's like, no, nah, I haven't been studying at all. <laughs> she just is so straight up with Mary. I think because Mary, Mary really doesn't push back in the way that Randy does. And I think that's actually a good dynamic for somebody to have in that, like, I don't think Mary, I, I don't think like when you're in a mess, you call Mary to clean it up, right? <laughs> I don't think Mary has that, like, ability in which she can, like, come in and clean things up for you. But, like, Randy comes in and cleans things up for you. And I think Randy is a little more, like, reliable in many ways than Mary is probably. Or Mary is able to be. I think probably a big reason is, like, finances. I I mean, I would, I, she, I would guess she probably gets alimony. Her and Randy were married for a really long time. But I, I would think that, like it's one of those things where Mary, I think, just lets Chelsea be and really doesn't push back on her because she's like, oh, you didn't study Charles. When are you going to study Charles? And Chelsea's like, well, I'm going to bring my stuff with me on the RV to study. <laughs> it's like, yeah, with your group of friends, it's going to a concert. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, they start talking about Adam and Chelsea's just like, you know, I'm just upset because a week ago he gave me that promise ring. I'm like, oh my God, this all happened in a week. And her mom goes, so what was the promise? (laughs) 
Chelsea still doesn't know why Adam is mad at her, and they go to the concert in the RV. She doesn't study. The concert looks fun. I don't really know who Dirkus Bentley is. I don't really fuck with country music. Um, Mina like country music. I know I have the same last name as him, so bully for us, I guess. Um, and she goes and has fun. And the next day she takes her GED practice test and she passes all of them. This is when she goes to her mom's with care that truly makes me feel sick. The UPS driver is here. My dog is not pleased that the UPS driver just dared to walk onto our porch. But she goes to talk to Mary about it. And Mary's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe you should go to counseling. Like, cause if you want to be with Adam, like you have to make sure that you're not fighting with, in front of Aubrey and Chelsea goes, well, we don't fight in front of Aubrey. We only fight when he's not there. Like, that's why we're fighting because he's not there. (laughs) Like, Oh my God, this is so toxic. Also, I think that Chelsea doesn't seem to realize that it's not just fighting. That's going to fuck Aubrey up. It's like you hysterically crying. Why? Like making her sleep in your bed and being like, daddy doesn't love mommy. (laughs) Which you know she does all the fucking time. Like, that's just as harmful as having your parents fight in front of you. Like, oh gosh, it's so bad. And that's it for Chelsea this week. Poor Chelsea. Like, it just, Adam, it's so hard to watch because Adam knows that he can punish Chelsea by refusing to talk to her and staying away. And Chelsea is, like, so desperate for him not to do this. And it's sad to watch the situation in which like randy kind of caused this because chelsea's just like spinning out of control upset over this she has no part in it really but she still can't get adam to talk to her because adam is punishing her for what her dad did it's just such such a vicious cycle all right let's talk about kaylin so it's really <laughs> They really get these girls to say funny things in these, like, voiceovers that I don't know if I, like, noticed the first time around. But I think at this point, they're still very willing to say whatever MTV told them to say. Because there is no way that Kale would say these things in a voiceover today. Because what we first hear from her is, I still have feelings for Joe, but I really want to make it work with Jordan. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's the end of summer. Kaylin is starting school again soon, and she's telling Jordan that she wants good grades for a scholarship. And he's like, yeah, I think you can get them. It's hard to see Kale, like, working really hard. I think Kale still does hustle. Like, I think that I've said this before out of all the teen moms, Kale, second to Chelsea, has done the best with her brand. I think Chelsea accidentally fell into it just by, like, being with Cole. And being pretty and I think Kale had to work a little harder for it but it's it's hard to watch her talk about like she's working a job at this point she's going to school she wants to get straight A's so that she can get a scholarship and it's like I don't think school's the end all be all of having success but watching that drive that Kale has that really doesn't seem to be there anymore because why would it be is tough But, like, why would it be? She makes so much money. Why would that drive still be there? So, Kale sees a picture of Joe. V has posted it on Facebook. And it's a picture of the two of them. And the caption says, like, a bit tipsy. And Kale's talking to her friend. And she's like, oh, my God. 
it says he's tipsy. And you can tell. Look at his face. Look at his face. It can tell. You can tell he's tipsy. And then she's like, and wait, June 17th? What the fuck day is that? Is it a Friday? Where's your son? And this really made me laugh because I was taking these notes on Friday, June 17th. (laughs) Really crazy. Kale was like really just speaking to me. But basically the issue is that at this point, Joe has Isaac every single weekend. I think from Thursday to Sunday or something. And Kale is upset that Joe has Isaac and Joe is out drinking with V. I get that. I do, but at the same time, it's like, well, if they're going to bed, if they're going out after Isaac goes to bed, does it matter? And I also am like, I feel like Kale, the thing is, it's like, I'm sure Kale does all of this, right? Like, <laughs> she has Jordan playing daddy for Isaac at this point, who she doesn't even like. She doesn't even like Jordan. <laughs> when does she meet Javi? Is it this season that she and Javi meet? Because aren't her and Javi together over that extended break? Let me see. Okay, they first met at Buckle, the store Buckle, when Kale was working there in 2011. And I think they get together shortly after that. And I'm pretty sure this was filmed in 2011. So I think he pops up around, because I feel like in my head, he pops up at, around the end of season three. And then by the time season four comes back, they're like living together and get married very early into season four. Because season five is when they have their big wedding. And they already had been married for, like, a significant period of time when that happened. And, like, at the end of season five, she's, like, six months pregnant. And, yeah, so it must be season three. Because I don't think it comes back to season four with us meeting Javi. I don't don't think that happens. So I guess we'll see as we go down this road. But Kale is basically, like, I'm going to go see an attorney because I don't think Joe has his priorities. Like, why is he out drinking? I guess actually only has him Friday and Saturday night because she says... He should spend the two nights a week he has with his son, not with a girl he might not be with in two months. Kale makes it so obvious. It's one thing Kale has never been good at. (laughs) Pretending that something is about something else. Like, she always is just like, well, I don't like V, so I'm going to go get custody. (laughs) She never even pretends. She calls Joe because she wants to confront him about it. And Joe is like, well, I wasn't drinking and Isaac was with his grandmother. And Kale's like, so is this girl your girlfriend or what? (laughs) And Joe says, no, not really. Not at this time. And Kale's like, well, it's obvious you were tipsy. I can see it on your face. And he's like, Kale, I'm not doing this. And he hangs up the phone on her. Which, fair enough, right? What what were they going to, what were they going to talk about? What were they going to get done? Kale goes out to dinner with a friend. She's still bitching about it. And she's like, well, you know, I just think that Jordan, I love Joe, but Jordan is what's best for Isaac right now. And I'm like, girl, what? Joe's not on the table for you. What do you mean? (laughs) What are you talking about? She says she's so confused like I always am. And this, this part, that line when she's talking about how like she loves Joe, but she's with Jordan because Jordan helps her and helps Isaac and she's just confused I think really stood out to me because I think it really opens up like a pattern of behavior in which we eventually see Kale kind of spin out of control around. And it's like where Kale is vacillating between what she wants, but what she 
knows she needs. And this is definitely like what brings her to Javi. And then I think it's what draws her to Chris and how she can never seem to like make these decisions and how she's like always contemplating getting back with Javi, right? Like it's always in the back of her head that she's going to get back with Javi at some point. Like it's always on the table that her and Javi might get back together in the year, even in the year 2022, as we've learned. And I think what she's saying is like, Kale is very aware that she is alone in this world at this point, right? Like she doesn't have parents in her life. She has some cousins and like an aunt that she talks to, but they're not a nuclear family for her. She doesn't have Joe, but she wants Joe, but she also like doesn't really want Joe. And so she has this guy, Jordan, who on paper like ticks every box, but she doesn't actually like him and doesn't want to be with him. But I think Kale is like practical and especially at this point in her life where she really, like, needs the help with Isaac. And so she's like, well, I guess I'll just stay with Jordan, even though I don't like him. And when she's saying I'm confused, I think what she's saying is, like, I need help with Isaac. I want to have a partner. I want the stability of a family. But I don't actually want it and I think that she doesn't have the awareness at this point I mean I don't know if she has the awareness now but she definitely doesn't have the awareness then to know that seeking out the family will not work if you don't like the partner and she makes this mistake over and over again right like truly she made it with Joe then she makes it with Jordan and then she really makes it with Javi that she's like getting with these guys in order to either like be part of their family, like with Javi and Joe, or to like just really have the stable partner like she did with Jordan. Javi's kind of a mix of both of those things, I think. And because Joe was like never a very stable partner for her, but she loved his family. Jordan, I we don't really know his family, so it's possible she was quite close with them off camera, but we don't know. But he was like the really stable partner who was there for her, but wasn't very exciting. And then I think Javi is a mix of them. And I think why she ends up kind of like blowing up her life over Chris is because I genuinely, she says Chris is the first time she was ever in love. And I believe her. I really believe her. I know a lot of people are like, what the fuck? She was married before, blah, blah, blah. She told all of these other guys she loved them. Because I think she thought that's what love felt like, right? Like, I think that she confused like wanting to love them with actually loving them and then I think she meets Chris and she's like in love with him I think they're probably having great sex it's exciting um and she can just like love him without craving the family with him as well at first because she was talking to him and sleeping with him when she was still going back and forth with Javi I mean we don't really know for sure when Chris and Kale first started having sex or when Javi first started cheating on Kale, uh, for the record. But we know that like Chris and Kale were getting pretty serious around the time that she's divorcing Javi. And so I, I really think that like, it's the first time in Kale's adult life that she was able to just like love someone without wanting the family as well and without like needing to look to him for stability because she had kind of created her own stability at this point. I mean, she didn't. Don't get me wrong. 
There's actually nothing stable about Kale. But I think that she had been through a really terrible marriage in which she was, like, really miserable and really lonely despite being with someone. She didn't really care about being part of his family. She owned her own home. She had cars. She had money. She had success. And she had these kids that she loved. And I think that when she was with Javi, she really realized, like, I can do this alone and I am doing it alone, really, because, like, Javi is so hot and cold with me. And, like, Javi would do shit where he would just be like, this is your son. I refuse to help. Remember when he would do that type of shit? So I think with Chris, it was the first time in her life she could just, like, be with someone without needing him to represent, like, her missing family unit. I really I really do think that's what happened there. And then, of course, she gets pregnant with Lux within like two years of meeting Chris and that all goes to hell and Chris is very abusive and whatever else that we don't know about their relationship and probably never will know about their relationship. But I I think that's what started it in the beginning. And I hope at least that Kale, I hope one takeaway Kale has from being with Chris is that she doesn't need to be with someone just because they like provide her the family that she's craving and that as long as like she loves the person and they're a good person she can probably make it work with them does that make sense like obviously if she's looking for like a partner that's good like I'm not saying that she shouldn't want a partner that like wants to be her family I'm not saying that but I think that Kale had to learn like it's okay to want to be with someone for reasons besides I want them to like help make a family with me. Like I'm allowed to just like genuinely like them. <laughs> like I really don't think Kale had ever liked anybody really before Chris. I mean, I'm sure like her and Joe had like puppy teenager lot love, but I think Chris was the first person that came into her life when she like really knew herself. And like I said, I bet they had really, really good sex. Um, and I would bet maybe it was like the first time in her life she was having really, really good sex. And that really fucks with your head. (laughs) Good sex really fucks with a person's head. (laughs) But it was probably the first time that she was like crazy attracted to her partner. Because I don't think she would, I mean, I think that she was like attracted to Joe, but they were 16, right? Like how good of the sex could it be at 16? Then with Jordan, I don't think she was ever really into Jordan. And then I don't think she was ever really into Javi either. And so I think with Chris, it's like, oh my God, I fucking love him. He's so fucking hot. And we have this like crazy off the wall chemistry and like we fit physically so well together. And that fucks your brain up, truly. (laughs) I think it really, truly fucks your brain up. That's why you need to like, I was about to say something crazy, (laughs) but it's really important to have good sex and serious relationships so that you don't blow up your life. over what should be a fling (laughs) because you're suddenly having good sex for the first time in your life and like you become addicted to it so she decides to go talk to her lawyer for custody and the lawyer is basically like well what do you want and Kale's like well I want him every other weekend I want to be able to see Joe or I want to be able to see Isaac on the weekends when I'm not in school and I'm not working and I I get it right like it fucking sucks to be the parent that has the kid when they are at school and work all day and then the dad gets or the other parent gets like hang out with them on the weekends and be fun 
And her attorney basically is like, yeah, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable ask. I think that it's not great. He's only 19 and he's drinking and posting about it online. And she comes home. She tells Jordan and she's like, I just I really don't want Joe to be mad. I don't want a confrontation. I hate a confrontation. <laughs> like Kale. My Kale hates a confrontation. My Kale. I don't believe that to be true, sweetie. <laughs> So they're having mediation and Joe is not returning her calls. Kale says that the standard is for fathers to have their kids every other weekend. She loves that. The standard for fathers. (laughs) She loves that language. Uh, Before mediation, she has to drop Isaac off first and she's like fucking terrified to see Joe. If you'll remember the last time she filed court papers against Joe. They got into that fight in which she hit him and then got a PFA. It was a whole mess. Uh, So Joe's dad is there and she gives Isaac to Joe's dad. It's totally fine. And then Joe comes out to the car and is like, why are you doing this? And Kale's like, I just, I really, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I don't, well, I don't want you to be mad at me. Are you mad at me? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) I also noticed Kale's driving a nice car. This is, I think that they're probably not making like money, money, but like enough that Kale got a down payment for a decent, reliable car. Like, I think everything in their life in this season is like starting to get better, except for maybe Janelle. But like Leah and Kale are driving like nice, reliable cars. Chelsea is paying her own rent. So I don't think they're making like a ton of money, but I think... Things for the first time. I think for the first time, they're, like, really benefiting from being on TV. I also think they're probably making money off of things like selling stories to Us Weekly. Like, this is pre-influencing, remember? So it's not like they're making money on Instagram, but I think they're starting to make money with their brand, if you will. Going on their speaking tours and doing things like um, Sensi. I wonder if she started Sensi at this point. I think that might have been a little later that she started doing the MLMs, but they're starting to pull in a little bit of dough enough to make their lives a little easier, which is why we're not seeing them like in this season talking near only Janelle is really talking about money in this season, right? Like they're not really talking about money. Um, They're not really talking about jobs nearly as much in this season as they were in the first two. Joe is like, I just don't understand why you're doing this. And Kale keeps on her every other weekend is the standard thing. And Joe says, I'm not the standard. I raise the bar. (laughs) Joe. Goodness gracious. (laughs) So they go into mediation and Joe goes without a lawyer, basically. Uh, And what happens is they don't come to an agreement. So the mediator orders like an interim agreement before they would go in front of a judge for a trial, which is that Kale got what she asked for, Joe having him every other weekend. Joe is really upset, except when he gets home, uh, Joe and Janet are talking and Joe is kind of like, well, I don't really know what I want to do. I don't agree with this. And Janet is like, why don't you just like focus on the time you have with Isaac? And this doesn't seem worth it. And you can tell that Joe is kind of starting to, like, turn and realize, like, maybe this isn't worth the fight. And I don't say that as an insult to Joe, right? Like, I think that he is realizing, like, let me slow down. Because he left mediation being like, fuck you. 
We're going to court. I will never, ever, ever agree to this. And I think by the time he gets home and he has some time to like think on it and he's with Janet and she's kind of talking some sense into him. And I would bet they were talking about how much money it's going to cost because he would have to have a lawyer for trial. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to, but he would have to have a lawyer for trial. And I, he comes to this place of like, I'm just going to see, right? Like, I'm just going to see what this is like before I determine if I'm going to go to court, which I think is a really good place to come to. And they end the episode, Kale and Joe having a really civil conversation about making a calendar that's very clear about who has what when, and that they can both go to each other's house to see Isaac if they want. And it ends out pretty okay. And Joe is like, I really don't like this, but I'm going to try and make it work, which I definitely think is a good place for them to be. Um, we know it like doesn't last, but (laughs) oh goodness. All right. Let's talk about Leah who hasn't talked to Corey since the mediation and they're meeting with the judge soon to make it finalized. She's talking to Kayla and she goes, my thing is I filed first because he was going to file, but like, what if he really wasn't going to file? And I, he was just acting like he was. Oh, God, she got such bad advice from her mom. <laughs> it's so stupid. They're truly only getting divorced at this point. Because Dawn talked Leah into filing and, like, that set Corey off. Yeah, Corey had met with a lawyer, but I don't think he was really going to do it. I think he would have forgiven Leah for the cheating and they would have stayed together for another miserable three years. <laughs> Leah said she wanted to go to marriage counseling so bad, and Corey just wouldn't do it. So they have their drop-off, and Corey shows up in a new truck. And Leah's heated, because if you'll remember, the new truck is the reason that Leah says that they're getting a divorce. Because at last season, Leah needed a new house, Corey's truck died, and he needed a truck for work. And he went out to get a truck, and Leah was really mad, and they had this big fight, and then it comes out she's cheating, and he sees a lawyer, and then Dawn is like, if he sees a lawyer, you need to go file for divorce immediately, or else he'll kidnap your kid. Like, I don't know what Dawn's reasoning was, but I don't know why Leah takes Dawn advice for almost anything, (laughs) to be honest. Especially after reading her book, but she does. So, Leah is pissed. She's pissed about this truck. And she goes, oh, split up family, but a brand new truck. (laughs) And Leah's like, I left because of this truck. And Corey's like, I'm going to pee my pants. You, I'm going to pee my pants, Leah. (laughs) They're like really good. Like they're, they're, when they fight, their accents really come out in a way that I really brings me joy. And Leah's like, I'm sure they would have loved their mom and dad together a lot more than that truck. And Corey's like, Leah, you, you know, this is not the reason that we got divorced. And Leah's like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Leah doesn't like any time that Corey dares to be like, girl, that's not, this is not why we did not get a divorce over this truck. She does not like that. She does not like when he says that. And so she's like, don't worry about it. And he's like, I'm not worried about it. It just pisses me off. So Kayla comes over and Lee is still really upset about the truck. And she's like, what bothers me is I just wanted a home. And then he could have had whatever he wanted. He could have had the truck. And Kayla, I will say Kayla's a good friend because she's always like totally validating what Leah's saying. Even though Leah 
somebody in Leah's life needs to be like, girl, you fucked Robbie. You fucked Robbie over and over again. You don't want to be married to Corey. That's why you were fucking Robbie. (laughs) You didn't want to get married to Corey. You actually told him before the wedding that you didn't want to get married to him. And then Corey threatened to break up with you unless you got married. So you were like, oh, fuck it. I guess we'll do it. That was so shitty of Corey. Oh, my God. That marriage is so doomed from the minute. From the minute they decided they would get married. So they have another drop off. And Corey is like, Leah, what's the real reason? Why are we getting a divorce? Is it this truck? He said, I don't think it's... She's like, I don't think it's the truck. Um, And he goes, you screwed Robbie the night before our wedding. <laughs> By the way, like, he, she was screwing Robbie their whole marriage. Like, let, the night before the wedding or the whole marriage. And Leah says, I think we both did hurt to each other. And you don't want to admit it because you think you did nothing wrong. I still, like, am not quite sure what the hurt Corey did to Leah. Like, I mean, beyond the fact that they just should not have been together in general. But Leah really, like, truly refuses to take any accountability. And this is Leah's problem. And it's always been Leah's problem. And it's frustrating because I don't feel like she's changed very much since then. I think Leah's made... A lot of changes in a lot of ways. And you guys know that I give credit where credit is due when it comes to Leah. Her life is clearly significantly better than where it was when she went to rehab and got out of rehab that like two or three years out. It was so, so, so bad. But Leah still has a real hard time taking accountability in a way that really drives me up a wall. So it's the day of the hearing and the judge agrees to everything. So their divorce is final. Leah is wearing a businesswoman suit. (laughs) And then Corey's in, like, jeans and his camo hat and a neon yellow shirt, of course. And they're both upset. So, in the second episode, they go out to lunch, and it's a really funny scene because the the twins are eating uh, chips and dip. (laughs) And, like, I really related to this moment because Leah wouldn't let them have more dip, and they were both flipping out. And I was like, yeah, I get that. So, she's telling Kayla that she's, like, ready to move past things, and she thinks she wants to go to college for nursing, But she's pretty nervous about taking tests. So Kayla's like, I'll go to look at the school with you. And they go up to the school and it looks good. But Kayla's like, well, I really hope that you can keep up with it. And Lee's like, well, why wouldn't I be able to keep up with it? (laughs) Kind of like accusatory of Kayla. And Kayla's like, well, you want to work great and you take care of the girls and studying. It's it's just a lot. (laughs) So the school lets us know that they have what's called a learning your way program, that all of like the requirement courses are integrated into their nursing classes. I don't know how I feel about that. I like, I mean, it's probably good for somebody who has a foundation in education, but for somebody like Leah to like go directly into a nursing program when she hasn't been in school in a couple of years, and even when she was in school, she was never very good at school. Like, I think Leah would actually really benefit from spending two years doing just, like, general education at community college. Like, nursing school is really fucking hard. It's really hard. And, Le- like, Leah needs to, I think, like, learn how to sit in class and, like, learn how to be a college student. And I think that community college, one of the things community college is really best for is, like, teaching people how to be a college student who won't necessarily be ready for, like, a four-year university or an accelerated full-on program the way that I don't think Leah is. So 
she should have like just started with a semester of like a math class, an English class, a history class, like basic, basic gen eds. I she probably would have. Well, actually, I don't think she would have done well. I <laughs> I don't think college was ever made for Leah. I don't think she has the motivation, which is totally fine. Um, but I do think it would have been a better chance at success than the way it goes. So they let her know that she has to take an ACT because she didn't do the ACT or the SATs to get into the school. And I was like, okay, I guess. Um, she has to go take the entrance exam. And she has 45 minutes and they have her set a timer on her phone and they leave the room. And I'm like, so she can have her phone? <laughs> okay. And Leah fails the test. Um, by the way, the lady that is proctoring this is wearing an insane outfit. It looks like she has on like a white button down long sleeve Oxford shirt and then a tube top dress over it. <laughs> and like a big 2011 flower in her hair. It's... It's a true nightmare. So she said Leah just barely missed it, but that because the the test is not the be-all, end-all, that they're looking at her transcripts from high school, too, and so they decide they're going to let her into the program. And I, I looked. I looked online because I was like, this feels really scammy. It's a private university. They charge, like, $30,000 a year or $25,000 a year. That... Taking in somebody for a nursing program who really, truly, clearly does not meet the academic standards and charging them a full private school tuition is just fucked up. It's so fucked up. And that's another reason that she should have tried community college. Because at least you can just, like, pay for a semester's worth of college. You know, like, it at a cheap rate or a cheaper rate. It just this private university. Mm-mm. I didn't like, I didn't like any of this. It all felt very, very scammy. And like at the last second, Lee is like, so can I do part-time? And they're like, well, you know, for financial aid and scholarships. I'm like, what scholarships is she getting? What? (laughs) When she said that, I was like, come again? By the way, I want a scholarship. I want $3,000, a merit-based scholarship that I applied for. I'm really excited. It's like, my school's like $12,000 a year. So it's like 25% of my tuition. I'm very, I'm very excited. And even just winning it was very cool. Although on the application, it said the amount was between three and $6,000 that you could win. It would have been really nice when that 6,000, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I've never won a scholarship before. I've never like applied for a scholarship before. I don't think so. That was cool. Um, but yeah, so Leah's like, well, I, you know, with the girls and working and the lady's like, no, full time, full time. Like, once again, this is setting Leah up for failure. She should have been taking two classes at most, at most. She should have done an English and a math class at community college and seen if she liked it. And if she realized, oh, I don't fucking like being in school, she would be out. I mean, at community college in 2011, she'd be out $2,000, right? As opposed to God only knows how much she paid first semester if they made her pay for a full year at this private school. Mm -mm. Leah goes and gets her hair done for school and this is when she gets her classic bangs. Blonde on top, brown on bottom. This is like classic Leah. Uh, Kayla's there and she lets her know that this guy has added her on Facebook. And he's really cute but like she doesn't know because she doesn't add people she doesn't know to Facebook and Kayla's like well let's message him. I want to see him. And she goes, doesn't he look like Lance Bass? <laughs> Which he does. 
Uh, Leah messages him to ask him how he knows her. And Jeremy, it's Jeremy. Surprise, it's Jeremy. It's this guy named Jeremy, though. Even though truly, like, two minutes before, Leah's like, I'm not really interested in meeting guys. And she's like, well, except this one guy messages me on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, so she'll be engaged and pregnant with his child <laughs> within, like, four months of this scene being filmed. <laughs> Classic Leah. And I noticed they showed her Facebook and she's still Leah Dawn Sims. She's still got that Sims on that last name there. I'm excited for Jeremy to come. I'm really excited for Jeremy to show up. Okay, so let's go to Janelle, who, ooh, Janelle. Janelle's had quite a, quite a difficult two episodes. So Dustin's still trying to get her a shorter sentence. Uh, Tori comes over and her and Tori haven't hung out since... The last time they were together, they had a big fight. I believe it's the fight with Kiefer and Janelle and Tori's boyfriend and her, the drumstick fight, in which all four of them are, like, wrestling. <laughs> a classic Dean Mom moment. Uh, and Janelle's like, I'm just, I can't stop smoking pot. All of my friends smoke pot. I don't know what to do. I'm so lonely. And Tori's like, yeah, I'll be there for you. I think this is what her and Tori always will do. She says, the only way, though, I'll be friends with you is if you're not with Kiefer. Kiefer. And she's like, well, Kiefer's in New Jersey. I can't see him anyway. And Janelle's like, well, so I have concert tickets for Kesha. Like, do you want to come with me? I love Kesha. I know I love Kesha. And uh, we get a voiceover that says, I know I might be going to jail, but at least I have the concert to look forward to. And of course, of course, of course, we are about to have some classic feathers in my hair moment. But before you get there, Dustin calls and he offers her probation again. He's like, go talk to your PO. She's willing to let you try again. And Janelle flat out is like, I cannot stop smoking. I can't do probation. And you know what? I actually like respect this from Janelle a little bit. Like she's being very clear. Like, I don't know why, but I can't stop smoking pot. I don't know what to do about it, but I know I'm not going to succeed on probation. So like, Listen to her. She can't stop smoking pot. So let her go do 45 days, you know, like just let her go do the time. And then she doesn't have to think about this anymore. Uh, her mom, Barb and her are talking and Barb is like, you just need to stop smoking weed. And she tells Janelle to go to a 12 stop program. <laughs> Janelle responds. 12 step is not my fantasy, mom. <laughs> what the fuck? What does that mean? <laughs> Her mom goes, so then you're a drug addict. Go to rehab. And Barb or Janelle's screaming, shut up. And she's holding Chase. And she goes, say, may may shut up. And Barb's like, don't tell him to say that. Barb's screaming that Janelle needs to go to N.A. Janelle screams back, weed is not, weed is not a narcotic. Oh, my God. And Barb goes, same difference. It's a drug. <laughs> such a funny fight. It's such a funny fight. It's not funny because it's actually very sad because Janelle's a drug addict. And we know this to be true. And Janelle is literally saying, like, I cannot stop smoking weed despite consequences. I don't know what to do. And her mom is like, OK, so, like, here's a solution. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> weed is not a drug, not a narcotic. So I can't go to narcotics and not this. Barb being like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) 
So Janelle's like leaving and screaming at Barb and she's going to smoke weed. So she goes to meet Dustin and Dustin is like, good news. I talked to your probation officer and he's only going to, she's only going to give you 14 days. Like she's agreed to a 14 day stay, which is really good compared to 45 days. He's like, you just need to go in on whatever date, like August 3rd, you come out on whatever 14 days after August 3rd as I can't do math. Um, 17th. Yeah. You'll come out on the 17th and you'll be done. And she goes, Oh no, I can't do that. She said, I have, I have concert tickets. Can you ask her if I can go after the 9th? And Dustin is like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not asking her that. And of course we get our iconic scene in which she lets him know, like, I really can't miss that concert. I got feathers in my hair for that concert. I got hotel tickets for that, or I got hotels for that concert. And then, of course, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I'm going to try and remember to post it on my Instagram, but Rihanna actually used that scene <laughs> as promo for her tour at one point. Because <laughs> Rihanna loves reality TV, if you didn't know that. She's a Bravo head, and I guess at one point was watching Teen Mom. Dustin is flabbergasted, of course, and does not realize that feathers in her hair means that she cannot go to jail. But it doesn't matter because her PO shows up at the house and drug tests her and she fails and so she gets arrested. She calls Barbara and I'm a little confused. I feel like this had to be recreated because she got arrested at the house. I don't really know how Barbara wouldn't know. She's like, Mom, I got arrested. Um, I need you to come bond me out. And Barbara's like, no. Not bailing you out. Not doing it. I'm not doing it. You you can sit. And Janelle's like, I would have to sit here until August. It's the end of July, by the way. And Barbara's like, so what? Figure it out. And Janelle's crying. I'll prop. I'll stop everything. I'll do this. I'll do that. And Barbara's like, well, you're a liar. You're a liar. And the episode ends on that. So in episode two, she gets her bond posted by Tori. Tori picks her up in like a minivan cab <laughs> and they go to the Bales bondswoman who is Angie who ended up playing a significant role in like the teen mom universe the Janelle universe if you go back way back way back uh, I did a Janelle's universe episode I think like in the beginning of feathers in my hair in the first like 20 episodes and first of all I'm realizing like how bad my memory is getting but this woman is mother to somebody. I think her name is Ashley. The old Janelle heads will have to remind me. I should ask Geneva. She would probably know. Um, but her name is, I think, Ashley. And she becomes a friend of Janelle. And then she becomes a friend of James Duffy during this time period. And eventually, like, she's just a mess. She's, like, always in and out of Janelle's life. Her and Janelle are fighting. Angie would get online and fight with people. Um, and eventually, she was in, like, a bad car accident on the property. And I think she ends up, she had a child that ended up really hurt or passing away. But this bondswoman, like, ends up being in Janelle's life for quite a while. I think James Duffy comes in soon. And like I said, if you don't know who James Duffy is, you'll... You'll just have to go back and not listen to that episode. I just, I can't explain it. So the bond is $10,000. Janelle, oh, Janelle's $200 on her. And she's going to let Janelle set up a payment plan for $800 because she has to pay $1,000, 10% of the bond. And she tells Tori, you're on the hook if Janelle doesn't pay. And I'm like, what assets does Tori have? 
Does, I Maybe Tori owns her own car outright that's worth $10,000. Why was Tori be allowed to sign? I wonder if MTV bailed her out. And, like, they just had to pretend that Tori did it for the show. As it doesn't make any fucking sense that the Bale Swansman would let Tori. Tori doesn't have assets. It doesn't make any sense. So it's the next morning. Dustin's called her a million times. Janelle is so mad at her mom. Um, but, you know, she's not going to let it down. Get it, Let her get it down. So Tori's like... Well, you know, it's like the day of the concert. Like, should we just go? And Janelle's like, should we go? And they go to the concert. (laughs) So it's the day after. She goes to see Dustin. And Dustin is heated. And he's like, I don't even understand what happened. Why'd she show up? And she's like, well, I was supposed to go to probation. But, like, I was rescheduling. And then she was rescheduling it. (laughs) A.K.A. Janelle was rescheduling it. And Janelle's, or Dustin's like, well, like, I set you up with 14 days. Like, what happened to that? And she's like, well, you know, the concert. And Dustin's like, I don't want to hear about the concert. He lets Janelle know that Barb called Dustin and asked if she should bail Janelle out. And Dustin's like, it's up to you. Like, it's up to you what you do. And Janelle is not happy to hear this. Not happy to hear it at all. So Janelle goes to see Jace and her and Barb get into a screaming fight. Uh, Barbara says, you went to see Kesha, but the night before you went to jail. (laughs) Janelle is screaming at her. You wouldn't pick me up, you fucking bitch. Fuck you. I told you if you let me sit in there, I could have been in there for months. My car would have got repossessed. I would have failed out of school. My phone would have been turned off. Like screaming, screaming, screaming. It was really hard to watch because it was like, just so out of the attic playbook of just like every manipulative thing that you could possibly say. Barb is like, why you're blaming this on me? And she's like, how could you do this? They're screaming at each other. Uh, Barbara said that her PO came over and said you had two violations. <laughs> Janelle goes, you're always blaming it on me. <laughs> like, Janelle. <laughs> it's the funniest literally Janelle being like why are you blaming me for this oh my god it's funny but it's sad because it's so clear that Janelle is having like a Janelle's very triggered in this moment and I'm not excusing the way that Janelle is behaving or talking to Barb it's totally inappropriate it is totally her fault but I don't think Janelle is in her body at this point like I I think Janelle has very bad trauma from her. We know Janelle has had a childhood full of trauma. We know that her mom is very verbally abusive to her. We know that her father was physically abusive to her mother and then abandoned Janelle. And we know that Janelle has so much trauma. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's crazy to hear in the moment. And it, it truly doesn't make any sense. But I don't think that Janelle has any control over what she's saying here. I think she's like, I think she truly has no control over her emotions when she gets to this point, which is really hard to watch. But like, I know that I kind of used to be this way where she's not talking about probation anymore. When she screams at Barbara, like, you're always blaming me for everything. Like, that's the inner child, right? Like, that's the inner child screaming at Barbara. And it makes Janelle look crazy. And I'm not saying Janelle's in the right here. 
But I don't, I don't, I think if you like sat Janelle down when she wasn't having a screaming fight with Barbara and been like, Janelle, you know, you failed two probation, you failed two tests, you had two violations. She would have been like, I know, but at least this, like she would have came up with excuses, but the like specific, like you blame me for everything line really to me sounded like trauma speaking. It sounded like they are just having the same fight that they've had over and over again. Janelle doesn't even hear what Barbara's saying. She doesn't know what she's saying back to Barbara. I think Barbara's probably doing something similar. They're just screaming on the top of their lungs at each other. And it's really hard to watch this on one hand. Um, I will be honest. On one hand, it's extremely funny. (laughs) I know this makes me a bad person. I'm aware you don't have to tell me, but it's really funny listening to Barbara and Janelle just scream at each other because they just sound crazy. They sound like crazy people, but it's, it's sad because it's like, this is how they speak to each other. Janelle, you you can blame Janelle all day and Janelle has done a million things wrong, but like, obviously she learned to scream like that from Barb because Barb is screaming right back at her. Like. And I'm sure it's going to be the same way with Jace, which sucks. It sucks. But this scene is funny while watching, sad while thinking about it, which I think is really the case for a lot of teen mom, right? Like, like with Chelsea, when I was saying, like, I feel a lot more empathetic for her. But like, in the moment, it's like funny to watch her crying over Adam. It is a lot of the times. I'm sorry, it is. But then you think about it and you're like, wow, that's really fucking sad. She was in an abusive relationship with a true monster. Um, I mean... I am always kind of curious if there's physical violence in Adam and Chelsea's relationship. Although I wouldn't be totally shocked if he didn't really escalate to physical violence until he started smoking meth, which I think happened after Chelsea. I think when he was with Chelsea, the the substance use stuff wasn't like out of control yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was just very, very just. But if he was very, very emotionally abusive with Chelsea and not necessarily physically abusive, and then he gets with Taylor and that's when like the physical abuse really starts. Oh, God, it's so... Adam is such a fucking monster. Oh, my God. He's such a monster. Uh, But, so, like, it's funny in the moment, but then, like, not funny when you think about it. And that's really how I feel about Janelle and Barb. Like, it's funny. The way their voices sound, just the tone of their voices is a real laugh a minute. But then you're like, wow, it's really sad that, like, this is how Janelle speaks to her mother. She learned to speak to her mother from her mom speaking to her that way. Oh, and it's just a mess. Uh, Janelle is storming out and Barbara's like, you have no money. And she goes, I know, but I'm going to see how far I can make it. <laughs> and poor, the, the episode ends with poor little Jace crying, mommy, mommy. Oh my God. Oh, of course, because Jace is in the room while they're screaming at each other. Because where else would it be, you know? Uh, that's it for this week's Teen Mom 2, Season 3, Episodes 3 and 4. I hope you're enjoying these throwbacks as much as I am. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod, even though I haven't been posting as much on there just because there's not much going on in the Teen Mom world to post about. And, like, I just can't post about Chris and Kale fighting with each other every day, you know? It, like, it gets exhausting. But follow me there. Go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains to hear all my thoughts on every other show that isn't Teen Mom. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.
This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.